Charlotte Soccer Show. John Hayes, Danny Brams. It's a wonderful Monday afternoon in the Queen City after a Charlotte FC Derby W at home against Atlanta United. How are you celebrating today, Danny Brams? What are you drinking? John, drinking a uh, seasonal brew here at OMB out on the patio with him, drinking a Munzler's. How about you? Cheers to that. I've got uh, one of my favorite beers, of course, Captain Jack. This is the tale of Captain Jack beer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's a perfect uh, Pilsner, uh, a light beer after a long Sunday afternoon. We told you we were going to go hard for this match on Sunday. And we did exactly that. So we're licking our wounds a little bit today. Yeah, I'm just I'm kind of sipping on this Munzler's. It's a Vienna lager, kind of a nice, you know, it's brown but not too brown, if you will. And uh, I'm enjoying it. You know, it's a nice, good sipping beer. I'm sure the Captain Jack's treat you right. And uh, things are a little hazy today because we, yesterday was a celebration, start to finish. And when you celebrate, when you go big, when you get the three points, when you see a worldly goal, when you you know, drink semi-irresponsibly and stumble around downtown and have a great time watching, you know, soccer and golf and everything and, you know, partying with friends, you get a little bit hazy the next day. It was a classic Charlotte Sunday. Uh, you start the day in Elizabeth uh, at Big Ben. You guys did. You started at Big Ben. I didn't yep. make it to, to Hooligans until about 11.15. They opened at 11 a.m. So we got to watch City and Liverpool most right. of that match at Hooligans Elizabeth which was pretty sweet. Right, it was a huge Premier League day. There was a big relegation battle in the early window that we kind of caught the end of at Big Ben, and then we saw the mat, the the huge Liverpool City matchup that delivered everything, you know, 2-2 draw there, got everyone hyped, got everyone in the mood for some good soccer. Absolutely. Uh, we waited on the goal line forever. It was backed up. Uh, we, it did we, show up, yeah, though. Yeah, it did get there. You know, you can count on the gold line yeah, you, for well, sure. Well, can you count on the gold line? You can't count on it how, to be on time, how, but you can count on it to show up at some point. How many times did we open the Uber app and say, ah, oh, let's give it five more minutes, and they finally did show up, so it, good for them. It yeah. did. So we got the gold line into town. Obviously, mm-hmm. we went uh, to Romere Beard and Park, um, our normal pregame spot, and then marched into the stadium uh, together uh, on the Mint Street end. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's the supporter section for me, the Mint Street end. And we went after it in the supporter section, had an awesome time there, my first time in the supporter section. And it was not only an awesome atmosphere, but it was a really cool uh, view of the game. We were pretty high up in the supporter section as we rolled in about (laughs) 10 minutes before kick, which is typical for us. Yeah, and like uh, this this is your first time in that section because you're normally over in your club seats with Rachel. We were way higher up than I've been. We were forced higher. Like I... I've kind of found a nice little zone of spots I like to get in the supporter section where you can sort of ride with the stairs railing right in front of me, and I have this great line of vision down to the field. But we couldn't get to – we had no chance of getting there this time. We, we were way up, uh, maybe like six rows from the top of the, the back of the thing. Uh, well, you know, we were able to get down a little closer later. You know, after after our halftime festivities, we went down and got better better view of the second half. But it was wild. I mean, when uh, Yordi scored that goal – what, what was it like for you, seeing like an amazing goal, being part of the beer shower for the first time, and like a, sort of a different viewpoint than what you've been used to so far? Well, first and foremost, I, it felt like I was like watching the, the tactical camera in those seats. <laughs> I knew you would say that. I knew you were going to say that. I, I <laughs> so I loved that, just yeah. to start. Like, yeah. Well, I, you're known for watching the tactical camera. That's right. I yeah. think I made that statement on the yeah. pod here at OMB. So many people do know that I love the, the tactical cam, and I felt like I had that. I can see the channels. I can see the space. Now... At midfield, in, at club level, I do also enjoy that view as well. You can see different things play out, but from behind the goal, that tactical view just gives you a much better idea of the space on the pitch. So it was awesome to, to, to be there and be able to witness that. Uh, but as far as the goal is concerned, um, whipping in the cross, obviously from our angle, we didn't have a great view of, of the action on that ball, but we got to give a shout-out to, to a Charlotte FC fan who – who did an unbelievable job, Jordan Clary, at jclary14 on Twitter. He got the, the, the video from his phone right behind the set piece. And if you want to see the best angle... Right, he's practically goal. on the corner flag. Yeah, it's great <laughs> video. Awesome. Holds the camera. So, I, you know, Jordan, I would have preferred you stay with the players' celebration a little bit longer before you went to all the people in the crowd dancing around, you know, for nitpicking. But 
awesome video. Thanks for posting it, and uh, made my day when I saw it for this morning, for sure. Who would have guessed the television producer telling <laughs> a fan what to do with his camera? You know, jeez, just let the director do his job. I right? just loved all the I loved all our players' <laughs> celebrations. That's the thing. Like, when you see Guzman Carujo running out, like pointing to his brain, like his mind had just been completely blown seeing that go in, and Fuchs team dad arms in the air like a proud papa and just everybody Franco smiling ear to ear it was the, I loved the players reaction to the goal you know just, and, and Jordy's little dance you know was was pretty funny there's was, was just so much greatness involved in this whole moment uh, when I've seen some replays from the TV side they they showed the Min Street end going nuts and that's what we love to be known for yeah. is having such a great atmosphere led the league in attendance this week amazing 32,000 nice. and I, I didn't throw any beer for what it's worth, um, I, did, I didn't throw any beer. Just I did not throw. I did not throw this week because yeah, you, did. Yeah, you did after the match. Well, I threw late. I threw someone dog. else's. I threw someone else's almost finished beer, just as sort of like a symbolic <laughs> thing. You. When uh, Yordi scored, I did not throw my mostly full beer because I wanted to drink it. You know what can I say? Uh, props to our waitress here at OMB bringing us our our late afternoon lunch on a Monday and it was a it was a beer throw at the end of the match yeah so you did get it in yeah uh, but not early I, I didn't toss any and I held on to my cup I did not throw the cup good move that's that's what the goal is you can toss the beer but just keep the cup in your hand mm-hmm. um, so after the the game we make it to Connolly's uptown uh, tried to get into Dandelion which by the way is someone that used to live on 5th and Church Dandelion being back open after being closed for two years is such an amazing moment for the city. It's a great place to be, but the vibe in there wasn't I, like a post-match soccer vibe, so I, we had to go down the street. I have, how, I have no clue. I, I don't even remember Dandelion. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I guess. We, I guess we didn't like we it. We peeked in the door, and we were just like, okay, not the vibe we're looking gotcha, for. Okay, yeah. Let's go to the real bar, which was Connolly's. And we got into Connolly's. They had the Masters on a projector screen. There were some fans rolling in after the match. People having a good time on a, at an Irish pub on a Sunday. Yeah, we um, made some new friends. Absolutely did. Yeah, it's had a good time there. And then um, randomly got up to Fahrenheit's rooftop. Um, <laughs> I, I think that you know, after we walked out of Connolly's, we were go- going to get on the gold line, kind of down by the transportation center there, where the Spectrum Center is, while the Hornets were, were playing. Hey, you know, we were there for like 10 minutes waiting on the gold line, and I don't know, I might have, I caught a view of the building that Fahrenheit was in, and I looked up there and I said, hey man, let's go up there. Right, rooftop. Let's go. Let's keep the party going. Yeah, so I, I, I'm going to tweet those pictures right. out, check out the photos. Yeah, like Pitbull says, don't stop the party, you know? <laughs> yeah, we just had to keep it going, and um, I'm surprised they let us in, but they did. Maybe it was just <laughs> early enough. Right, no. we, were, we were in jerseys, and you were in sandals, you know, that, but hey. The so, sun hadn't set yet, so that we sneaked past. Exactly. So check out those photos from the day. I'm going to post them. Um, at For the Crown Baby. Uh, check out our, our, our photos from the day and would love to uh, hang out with some of you listeners, which we do as well. We got to meet some of our friends at halftime uh, of the match, and that's becoming a tr- tradition as well. Yeah, Brett Thompson, he's a good friend, um, you know, co-worker and a huge uh, season, season ticket holder, huge supporter, Liverpool fan, so you know he was in pretty good spirits after the draw with City. Love you, Brett. Thanks for hanging with us at halftime. And, uh, you know, we, we want to make that's become a tradition, basically. We have sort of a go to spot. We know where to meet now. We got a direct line to a counter and two huge monitors. Life is good at halftime. The halftime vibe is, is strong. That's all the off the field Sunday, fun day in Charlotte uh, conversation. Uh, if something comes to us while we're, we're talking, if we uh, start to uh, look back and re- remember some of the, the post party. Hmm. better than maybe we do now. We'll bring it up later. But one thing that we want to get into is, is clearly, clearly the starting 11. Um, Danny Bram's coming oh so close to a perfect projected 11. I was almost there. I, I didn't have faith. In, I lost my faith in Team Dad yet again, even after I have already like self-flagellated and punished myself for losing faith in Team Dad once before this season. I let myself doubt him again. And I didn't think he'd be ready to go, but he was ready to go. He went the full 90. Also going to get into basically how Brant Bronico, Bronny Bro, uh, he's a 10 out of 10 for me. Yesterday's performance. Hell of a game. And we're going to show you some stats and talk about some numbers that prove that in MAR's 4-1-3-2 system, Brant Bronico sitting in that 
that role in front of uh, <laughs> Guzman Carujo and Christian Fuchs is almost the perfect place for him on the pitch. And MAR's trust in him is, is continuing to grow as he continues to yeah. get these starts over yeah. Sergio Ruiz and Derek Jones. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly thought Jones was going to push him and maybe take the spot, but Bronico has fought back hard. you you got to wonder what those training sessions have been like. But he's defended his... his uh, he started the first game of the season, somewhat to a surprise to us at the time, but he's he's backed that up and defended it, and he's our he's our starting DM at this point. Had a hell of a game. It was getting noticed from a lot of like advanced analytics types people. I saw a lot of tweets like, you know, what a performance by Bronico in this game. So it was great. Mar made a big deal about a lot of the money that uh, is spent on the Atlanta roster, you know, in the pregame week. And you think about someone like Brandt, who we got pretty much on the cheap. <laughs> You know, he he shined in that midfield and outplayed Atlanta's attackers, Almada, Moreno, bigly. Uh, another, you could call, homegrown player, someone yeah, from North yeah, Carolina. Yeah. Jalen Lindsay, the week after signing his contract extension, um, had a phenomenal game, and he goes the, the full 90, and he called it a revenge game, and the, the team followed him um, into the, the cathedral of Charlotte soccer. And... Yep. Uh, he had an, an amazing match. We, we have so much to talk about. So we're going to get into all that in just a moment. Uh, I told you that our food has arrived, so we're going to eat our lunch and uh, finish off these beers, and we'll be right back after this. Soccer show, John Hayes, Danny Brams in the house. It is a beautiful, like we said, an absolutely beautiful Monday afternoon in the Queen City. Danny Brams has his uh, community kit rocking the black and mint at OMB's beer garden today. We're we're going on the road, you know. Got to get got to get in the uh, the road game mindset. Wear the away jersey. Absolutely, and. It was. I wore my kit to the match yesterday. It's always fun to rock the blue kits as well. They look good on the players at home, which is where I want to kick things off for this next segment. As far as you know, we're going to get into Mar making all the the right moves. Uh, we're we're going to give some player ratings. Talk about the the Sunday night, Monday morning, Charlotte FC content. Shout out to the admin running all those channels. We'd love to see all that content. Um, but first and foremost, I just want to talk about Bank of America Stadium and pose this question to you. Hit me. Who in MLS is good enough to come to Charlotte FC and Bank of America Stadium and just take it to the, this group of players? I really don't think anybody. Uh, you know, if we, we struggled against Philadelphia in their place. I think if they came to our place, it would be... A much different story. I know the Sounders are always kind of the, the dominant, you know, st- standard setters out west, and maybe they could come in and, and uh, push us around a little bit if they were at full strength. But you know, uh, NYCFC was in great form uh, when they won the title last year. They sort of you know had a great playoff run, but they haven't been they haven't really matched that form so far this season. So I don't think anybody to answer your question. The reason why I ask is because you know if you're not watching the MLS closely and you look at the table of the full 28 teams, you'll, you'll see Charlotte at number 12, which is pretty fucking good at this point in the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, nine points, a three and four record. And it's not just about the standings, though. It's about the product that you're seeing on the field. You know, we talked about front foot football. We talked about mm-hmm. taking it to Atlanta United at home, not sitting back, playing deep, coming out with an offensive lineup, two strikers at the top. Charlotte FC's form at home, and by the way, LA Galaxy, the the squad that we played in the first home match ever, still has only one loss, excuse me, two losses and no draws, or 4-0-2. So that team's pretty good, and we went toe-to-toe, and it took a Galazzo Mm -hmm. to beat us. So, if you think about the way Charlotte FC performed against Philadelphia on the road, sure, they lost 2-0, 
and there was a bad gaff. But it, it's not like they got blown off the field. They actually right. had more possession. In, right. In yeah. That we game. we went toe to toe with them. Just, and LA Galaxy didn't blow us off the field either. No, nope. uh, they did. They threatened to shoot us off the field, but we we say we stopped all the shots, you know, except for that one. So. Right. So yeah, the reason why I bring that up is just because I'm just really curious about you. You saw Brant Bronico's Ronnie Bro, um, his post game commentary about Bank of America being a fortress, being yep. a place where these players thrive off the energy, the fans uh, bring it and set the tone for the players when they when the walkout happens, they look over to that mid street end and they say to themselves, "Man, we 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 got to bring it because they're bringing it too," and. You know, I, I think that I have maybe a, a bit of an advantage when I when I look at this club and I look at the MLS, considering, you know, this is the first year really I'm, I'm diving into. Right, you got fresh eyes. You, you're seeing things so from a, you without being too close to the sun, like people say. Exactly. So, like the history of all these different clubs, really means jack shit to me. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Right, and it doesn't mean shit to MAR either. This is first year in the league. This is first year in the league, right? Yeah, he's the youngest coach, first year in the league. He's got fresh eyes on this league too. Yeah, and it's not this MLS elitism. Do it the way you should in MLS, <laughs> right? It's just not that. And I'm starting to think that, based on the form, based on the tactics, based on the energy that this could end up being a playoff team. You're, you're, ready to, you're revising your expectation back up. Yeah. Like I, I said that I, I said maybe 10th in the, in the mm-hmm. East. That's what we preseason settled on. That was right, right after the, right, that, that was right, after the uh, right now we are screwed comments, I believe, were made by MAR. So when I'm thinking about where this squad could finish in the East now, Sitting in the five position, seven matches in played. Most everybody has have played six though. So remember, there's there's a game in hand for everybody who's sitting on eight and seven points. Because we got to play during the international break. Exactly. So I'm not, I'm not like taking that fifth place as like oh we're in fifth place now because of that game in hand. But I'm looking at Chicago Fire, Columbus, Toronto, Montreal, DC United, Cincinnati. I'm like looking at these teams behind Charlotte FC in the table and I'm like give me a reason as to why these squads are better yeah I mean I think in the when it all comes down to it in the end of the year we're gonna look at that loss at DC United and be like oh my god that was a bad loss I mean you know all the context around it being our first ever match as a club and all that you know on the road but DC United does not look impressive it's, it's gonna suck having given up all the points to them you know you say like you don't want to get too into the history of all these clubs, and you also, you know, mentioned the game in hand, so you don't want to give too much weight to you know the current picture of the standings. But there is a little bit of history that I uh, sent you earlier today that I found on Twitter that came from your guy Paul Tenorio talking about the pace Charlotte's on as an expansion team versus other expansion teams. That I think it's worth digging into a little bit. And uh, basically, we're on a really good pace. We're right up there with the two most successful expansion franchises of the last ten years in the in the. Uh, in the league, and that's LAFC in Atlanta, which is where the only three in the group of uh, about 10, 10 recent teams, I think, that has got nine points from the first seven games. That's not bad. That's That's huge. good company to be in. Absolutely. And it offers great perspective. So I'm glad that you're bringing that to the show. And, I'm, and I think the reason why, you know, Paul, who you can find <clears throat> at Paul Tenorio on Twitter, the um, great voice on, on the beautiful game, works for the Athletic and covers the United States men's national team as well. His podcast, Allocation Disorder, is is a great place to get more MLS content and, and more United States men's national team content. But <laughs> I like that um, name. For, for, for this perspective, I think the reason why he's talking about this is because he's starting to realize, a national writer who's follows, who followed the MLS, um, that something might be brewing. Yeah. That it's time to take notice. That even though... The team was built in a way that maybe generally doesn't lead to success. That maybe doing it different is not the the worst thing in the world. You know, so I just really want to really want to call out the fact that, like, even though I 
I'm okay with the idea that it's Charlotte versus the other expansion teams, and that perspective matters, and it tells you what type of pace you're on. Yeah, I think we want to keep tracking it. Yeah, I, I think that matters. It does. But it's not my priority. What is your priority? Like, the next match. Whew. All right, coach. <laughs> like, seri- like, seriously, yeah, though. Like, I'm with you. I'm you know, with it's you. Like, yeah, yeah. I-, I think that's important to talk about. It gives you perspective. But, like, I am sitting here hoping that this inaugural season goes better than every single club on this list. Right. You want to be better than LAFC. Yes. Better than Atlanta. Right. But they're 50, 50-plus points, I think, for both of them in their inaugural seasons. Hey, we're we're 20% of the way there. We got we got 9 points already, you know. So, I tell me to tell me to pump the brakes. Tell me that, you know, I might be Come on. getting ahead of myself. I'm not going to do that. You you you're talking to the wrong guy if you want someone to pump the brakes <laughs> on how good uh, Charlotte FC is after that that win, man. We, that's the cool thing about like being a supporter and getting so like committed and and putting so much of yourself into like what the result is is that when the result is good, it's really good. And like it just felt so, just to be walking the streets of Charlotte yesterday, just to be like thinking about how we got the points, we beat our rival, we saw the Atlanta post game. We were in the French Quarter and we saw some Atlanta fans that were like there, like trying to drink with the Charlotte fans post game. And yep. it was like we were, you know, no one was like harassing them, but they just it was kind of like everyone was like, yeah, oh, you know, these guys, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, you know, it was, it's a good feeling when you have that scoreboard when you can, you know rightfully lorded or you know you, you know i'm kind of a mild-mannered guy in real life I, I don't try to be like a a cocky jerk i try to treat everyone nicely and equally and all those things but like when it comes to like sports bragging rights that and i'm drunk like <laughs> yeah. that's when i go all in that's when i steer into that skid and get really like fuck atlanta you know like charlotte <laughs> to, the, to the top and all this shit so it was fun it was, it was it's just a good time. We've got to check out CLT Fan TV to see if you make an appearance. Oh, that's right. I did. I crashed Lee's camera after the game. I forgot. Yeah, we'll definitely check that out. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if you can put. I think I said some horrible uh, <laughs> curse words or something like that right into his mic. But sorry about that, Lee. My fault. I completely forgot about that until you just mentioned it again, right there. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it's the second time we've seen him uh, post match. <laughs> Outside of the Mint Street end. Oh, we love Lee. Yeah, he's, he's always getting reactions from the, to the fans. and um, I'm going to take a look and see if you pop up. If, if oh, we gave him some reaction. We yeah. gave him some reaction. And no, I do remember this, though. Another crazy post-game story. We met Taylor Twelman. Oh, my. <laughs> we met TT. We happened to be walking up the street, uh, and we kind of stumbled past his hotel as he walked out of his hotel he to wait for his Uber. He was at the Kimpton. And, on Romeo Bearden Park. Yeah, and he was just looking to get an Uber, I assume, to go to the airport and get home. And he just had the bad or good fortune, you tell me, to have us stumbling drunks, like, passing up the spot right that he walked to to wait for his car. So we're like, Taylor, Taylor, you're the man, Taylor. We're, you know. And at first he was, like, trying to ignore us. He was, like, st- he was like locked in his phone. He's like, I'm not talking to these guys. I'm not putting my head up on these guys. But... Eventually, he just had to acknowledge us and be like, "Yeah, yeah." You know, like, "What do you think of the team, man?" He's like, "Oh, they look good. They look good." So yeah, he gave was, us props. It was a fun little interaction. Hopefully, we didn't harass him too much. So sorry, Lee. Sorry, Taylor. He specifically called out Alcivar and Bender as like really good young pieces for this spot, mm-hmm. and I, I I couldn't agree uh, more. So one thing I well, want to do is just talk about the the space that those two guys had. In yes. This match. Yes. Well, you from your from your tactical viewpoint in the in the crow's nest, you know you could see we we kept yelling. Right? We kept like, get it out right, get it out right. They were giving Lindsay all the space in the world on the right. They were they did not respect him at all on offense, and it was leading to a lot of area for other. Even if it wasn't Lindsay, other attackers could run into that space and create openings and lanes like that. It was great. It was a, it was I thought it was a miscalculation by Atlanta tactically for sure. So the bouncer is up top with Svidersky, Danny Rios. I thought he had a, a fantastic match. Almost put one in the net again. Uh, he's knocking on the door to open his account mm-hmm. for Charlotte. We want State. him to so bad. We, we really do. And um, the reason why I bring him up when I'm talking about this space is because the really cool thing about MAR's 4-1-3-2 lineup is, is that if you're playing in that midfield three on the wing, the space that you have down the sidelines is abundant. And the reason why, and we saw this play out through the entire match, is because 
Swiderski and Rios are connecting at the top of the formation and typically 10, 15 yards away from each other. Yep. Right in the middle. You know, if you're gonna if you're playing defense and all of a sudden you, you win the ball and you go on a break, those guys are like kind of taking up the same space. Right. They sort of both present as options for like a streaking midfielder who might like bring yes, the ball. Yes, but, but within the center third of the pitch, right? Yeah, like break for the, sure. if, Break the pitch down right. lengthwise, in the middle third and the outside and, third. And that's what's leaving the space that you're talking about. Is because yes. they both play so central exactly. that the the eights can go way wide. Absolutely. So, Ben Bender, the reason why he's he's playing so well is because the space is there for him to take within that formation. Mm-hmm. Alcivar, the reason why he's playing so well is because the space is there for him to take in this formation. And, and you have Alan mm-hmm. Franco just holding it down in the middle. Right, and what it led to is a lot of just, like, attacks. So, like, yes, we scored off that corner kick, right? It was a beautiful moment. It was, it was a moment of glory. It was spectacular. It was everything. But that was, like, our... I have to look, but that was, like, our fifth or sixth corner kick of the first half. I mean, we were getting so much space, like you're talking about, that was leading to so many attacks and, like, shots that were getting deflected off uh, defenders over the out- end line, and we're getting corner kicks. So, like... We had a lot of great attacks, you know. When you get a bunch of set pieces, a bunch of corner kicks, it's going to be good for you. You know, they lead to goals. It just, you know, maybe not as spectacular as we saw the Prince pull off in the, you know, in that fashion. But a lot of corner kicks are going to be a lot of goals. Yeah, and one important note to be made about the bouncer Danny Rios. If you go back and watch that replay, um, and you see who was giving Guzan issues inside the box before that corner came in, Danny Rios was all over. Oof, the bouncer. Yeah. Just letting him know. Just letting him know he's there. Hey, you I'm know? here. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going to escort this this ball right <laughs> yeah, to the top yeah, left corner. Exactly. And it's headed to the VIP. Right. Guzan, you do not have a uh, an ID, and I can't let you in. Sorry. i got to let this ball in. Yeah, Danny's awesome. Now, I want to segue off that, though, because there was someone in the house watching this along with us and the 32,000 people in attendance that has not been there yet and we're very happy about it. I'm talking about our second designated player, Camille Yusviak. He's here. He's ready to go. He wasn't quite ready for this match, but he was in the stadium and life is good, but the problem is he's got to get in the lineup and Rios' spot could be potentially in jeopardy there. I, I don't know. What do you think? Who... We need to talk about who Yusviak replaces in the lineup. Do we keep the two strikers, or does one of our mids, who we love every single one of them, do they lose the spot? Well, you know, based on the the four one three two, let's just start there because that's the formation that we played. Um, I think that Yusviak could play either Bender's role or Alcibar's role, but. I'd prefer him not to. I just prefer him to be a forward-thinking player without really any defensive mm. responsibility. So, to me, I think the first thing you would do is potentially pivot into a 4-3-3 mm-hmm. and have him play on the wing up top with Swiderski, and that means Rios is out of the lineup. Yeah. And I think that you have to, at that point, think about this two different ways, right? Maybe use Viac's presence does the same thing that Rios's does. Right. If he's playing really well and with he's a, a threat. little more verve and maybe a little more little bit more setup threat. He may, you know, he may not shoot as much as Rios would in that spot, but he's going to uh, facilitate Carroll even more. He's going to have driving runs into the box. Right. Diagonal runs into the box. Diagonal passes dribbling into the box, all things that he can offer off the wing. That if you're in a four-three-three with right. some cover behind you, you don't necessarily have to worry about the defense that much. Which might settle, you know, sort of what you're talking about, how Rios and Swiderski occupy the same similar spaces. Yeah, you know, that, that might sort of solve that issue as well. And he's somebody that I you don't can know. bring in late. You can take yeah. off a wing and you can move to a two-striker formation late if you need right. a goal. And he right. can also just come in in the 70th minutes for Swiderski if right. he wants to. Right. right. So it gives you depth at the striker position, mm-hmm. too, where you don't have to play them the entire match together. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. I think Danny Rios has a lot uh, to keep contributing to this club, but he may not be in the starting lineup going forward once we once we get to our full designated player strength. The reason being is just I just can't... You can't take out Alcivar, the Prince. I mean, you can't take him out after that goal. You can't take him out after the recent performances, you know. Uh... Franco, I just don't think Miguel's going to drop him. I just I think Miguel loves him. Uh, my, I have I've been 
we've been trying to come up with a nickname for Franco. My latest uh, submission is the Blue Hornet. You know, I just because he's always buzzing around. He's always just like, and he's a, he's a, he's an activity man. You know, he's always like getting in opponents' faces and whatnot. I like so, that. Yeah, the Blue Hornet for our, for Franco is kind of a nickname I'm working on, but he's not going to get dropped. And then I do think Bender could get dropped. There's a potential. Bender was kind of invisible here in this match against Atlanta. I mean, he wasn't a uh, liability, but he wasn't really giving us a ton. And it goes back to what I said in terms of as much as we've loved him for what he's done so far, he's young. He's going to have ups and downs. It, the young players are not consistent. Alcivar's going to have ups and downs. Alcivar's going to have a dip in form at some point. And maybe hopefully by then, Bender will be back up, you know, sort of back near his peak. We'll have to see. Yeah, but Bender could play, like, the midfield role in a 4-3-3 on the wing, too. Right, 100%. So you, 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 yeah. you, you might not even not have to take him out. You just move him back in the formation. 100%. But I'm just saying if you wanted to keep the two strikers. If yes. you wanted to, if you wanted to stick with the 4-1-3-2, then Bender's in jeopardy. Yeah, and that's what I don't understand. I mean, there's been so much conversation about, and a point from earlier that – Paul brought up in talking about the expansion clubs and where they are in the standings and how mm-hmm. the season unfolds and what expectations could be. One of the points that he made was that depth becomes incredibly mm-hmm. important as you get into the summer and as you get into the fall. And I'm sitting here today and maybe I'm like missing something here, but doesn't this team already have depth? At yeah. almost every position, yeah, I mean, we're sitting here talking about selection issues. You know, like the whole, <laughs> like selection dilemmas at, at almost every spot. Yeah, uh, you know what I mean. All I, we're really missing is that left wing, which Usviak is going to fulfill. So yeah, uh, you're right. I mean, even even Rain is a nice bench option. We got freaking McCoon didn't even get to see the pitch. Tito Ortiz, yeah. I'm trying to understand here when we talk about depth issues for this squad. I think we're talking about one position and only one position. Right, it's that second winger. Or that that third third attacker. It's goal anyway. scoring. Yeah. yeah, well, it's goal scoring depth. It's like you have Sverdersky, right. you have Rios, but who else is, is Camille that guy? I don't know, but I think yeah. it's just like a a when when you're talking about depth, you're talking about who gets you the goals. Well, think about this: we're going to get Vinny Mello in a few weeks or a month and a half. Let's say we're going to bring Vinny Mello in in the middle of May. And as a striking uh, depth option, and that's gonna be like a new signing, you know, not not to fall back on the old soccer cliche, but you know, injuries, guys coming back from injury that you haven't had before, that's like a new signing it coming is. in. It yeah. is, you know, that's a new option for MAR to put out there and deploy. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'm excited by all the video. I watched a ton of Vinny Mello videos when we first announced that he was joining the club, and obviously we haven't had a chance to see anything uh, on our side. There was some news actually this week that. What it, what it ended up causing the delay in his joining the uh, full training is because the procedure he had done in Brazil was kind of messed up, and the American doctors here, Charlotte team doctors, had to re redo the procedure that he had done there. So that's why he's been delayed. But uh, yeah, you're right, man. I mean, depth is going to issue. Everything Paul said is correct about uh, you need depth to sustain the long summer uh, and fall MLS season. But we have depth. We're we're doing pretty good on depth. I think we have more depth than a lot of teams, and we still have the third DP slot that we can bring in at least we can bring in a summer signing. Exactly. So I mean, you're 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 helping make my point, and I think the yeah, you convinced me because I was actually I was like, man, we might I don't know we're we could be in trouble. We we might have some death, but we talked about this pre-show, and then you were like, no, nah, we're fine on death, and I was like, you're right, we are we are doing pretty good on death. You're right. So yeah. and I think let's let's talk about what we always like to do post-match is just take a look at the game flow, talk about substitutions, and help that build this this narrative, what we're seeing. So, Break it down. Um, Jordi Alcivar, of course, again, if you listen to our pregame podcast, we said this team loves to score early at home. And in the 11th minute, Alcivar gets it done. So it's now becoming more than a trend that Charlotte FC. That was the third match in a row. Uh, that Charlotte FC has scored within the first 12 minutes. Yeah, and that's how early we were racking up corner kicks. Even yeah, that, you know, third, great. third yeah. home match in a row, yeah. I should say. So that happens, and it's, it's a pretty, you know, that first half is is a half that goes by without necessarily a lot of, of other action. Um, I think that Charlotte FC dominated the game in the first half, and you go into halftime, and, you know, we went down to the supporter section bar, I want to say, um, with – 
eight minutes left in the first half, and I remember this vividly, I said to you, I said, hey, man, let's go down there. And you're like, well, yeah, let's wait until, uh, for another five minutes. And I was like, dude, like, remember when we used to celebrate scoring goals? Remember when we, you know, when we used to <laughs> be up one nothing and want to get down and, and have right. a beer and it used toast to mean to it. something it, in yeah, this town. It did, yeah. yeah. So I said, let's get our ass down there. And uh, they've got those huge TVs in there, so yeah. you can just like watch the last five minutes of the first half, right? Down in the supporter section and, and get your ass back up there for the second half. So anyway, um, nothing on Charlotte FC's, and this was interesting to me is like as we were sitting there after Atlanta United made three changes. Um, two in the 60th minute and, and another in the 65th minute. We're in the 75th minute, and Charlotte FC's starting 11 is still out there. You know, this this team played a lot of minutes together, which was awesome to see. And the mm-hmm. first change happened at in the 79th minutes after a Christian Fuchs and Brant Bronico yellow cards in the 74th. Um, the first change came in. MAR called Mackenzie Gaines's name. Called his number. It was a bit of a surprise. It was, yeah. He comes in for Danny Rios, and it was a. But we liked it. It was a. It was a. It was a striker role for Gaines that he really hasn't had much of that opportunity. This We've year. said that Gaines should be thought of as as a striker, not a winger, for the most part. Despite you know him fooling some coaches into thinking he's a winger sometimes. And then the next changes. This is where it started to get fun, by the way. Um, in the 84th minute. Two changes. I know what you're about to say. Adam Armour. <laughs> yeah. He's in for Ben Bender. He gets a cameo for the last six minutes mm-hmm. plus three minutes of extra time. And Sergio Ruiz comes in for Alcivar. I thought the Ruiz for Alcivar move was great. I think that's like right. tactics 101. It's not like for like. It is a defender to help you see the game through. But the Adam right. Armour substitution for Ben Bender and a bit of an offensive role for him down that left-hand flank I thought was really interesting. Yeah, he's a winger, like we've said. He's not a fullback, he's a winger. Adam he can Armour. play both positions. He can, but... But he loves to go forward. Yeah, give him, give him some cover behind him and let him go forward. I, I want to see it. He should have had an assist. He whipped the ball right into the box um, in, I want to say it was like the... 90th or 91st minute because T.T. Ortiz, that's the final sub. That's right. T.T. Ortiz came in for Swiderski and it was a left-footed cross from Adam Armour that found Ortiz right in the box. Ortiz had a nice touch, settled, and missed the frame. And or maybe got deflected out for a corner. I'm not sure. Either way, I felt like Ortiz should have scored in that moment. And it was an example of Adam Armour. Um, coming into the game and making an impact late in the match and potentially assisting on a second goal to put this thing completely away. So Adam, the creator, totally, yeah. He, he freaking he does not stop creating uh, action on the pitch when he from the moment he comes in, no matter what. So we should talk about Swiderski just to finish this conversation off because that's the last change and we haven't really given thoughts about his performance. What did you make of the the Charlotte FC striker? I thought, you know, no goal. Obviously, that's going to jump off the, the page. That's the headline. Uh, right. But created some nice stuff. Seemed to work well within the team concept. Didn't see, didn't really see any of the, like, the body language, like like flapping his hands at teammates type stuff that's been a little bit of a, you know, a, a minor red flag at times. So I, I would say, you know, for not having scored, he played a really good game. I think... Uh, I'm looking at Sofa score here. They rated him a seven, which is pretty nice for a striker with no goal. Uh, I think that's a fair rating, and the, he could have had. It, what, I can't remember if it was a direct assist or he might have had like a chance for a secondary assist. But he had a couple nice like playmaking moments, and he did drift out wide a few times and send crosses in, which is I don't think that's where we want him the most of the time, but. We want to have that option. Yeah, he did have four crosses and only one of them connected. Yeah. Was accurate. Right. So, and, and I think another, if you want to talk numbers, like no shots on target, no shots off target, no shots blocked. Like, Right. You got to shoot, Carol. Come on, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and Take a shot. It's a, it's, that conversation goes back to service, right? There's not a lot of whipped balls into the box for Federsky to get on the end of in this match, except for the corners. Right. right, so I'd like to see him maybe show up on a corner at one point, sure, and use his head to score off of the corner. I think that is, if you're thinking about goals for an undroppable striker, I think him making an impact in the box on a corner, even if it is in a role like Rios, 
uh, and bouncing the goalkeeper yeah. and just making things happen. I think. Or flick one on with your head to somebody else. Right. You know? So I thought that like he put in a shift. He put in nearly 90 minutes. But at the end of the day, um, no shots, no assists. Um, a 7.0 rating is, is an average, is a decent day. I think he was playmaking. I think he was, he was. playmaking. He was. Yeah, no, he was. I, I don't disagree. I think he was, he was, and with Rios in there, he can do this. He can be like Danny, just like, go up there and stand. I'm right, move, right, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. You know, like, I'm going to work Hold in the my, door. Yes, Hold the door for me, Danny. Seriously. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to receive some passes in the center circle. I'm going to start being creative because I'm not getting the opportunities that I want inside the box. And to see him make that transition, like you point out, is a good thing um, for for Kyle Swiderski, but I think that this road trip coming up is going to be huge for him because if Charlotte FC wants to keep this run of form going at New England on Saturday, he I don't expect him to play in the U.S. Open Cup. Um, versus oh, you think Greenville. he'll sit? Yeah, that'd be a good spot. That'd be a good spot to get some of the younger guys in for sure. Yeah, re- yeah, rest him. You know the you don't we don't know the quality of their pitch. You know, that's, yeah. you can. It's classic. This so, is, by the way, this if is, you have a great pitch, Greenville, I apologize. So, but yeah, it's um, this is classic cup football, and this yeah, is yeah. why I love it. Yeah, um, classic cup football means you don't need to start your striker. It means he's got to be ready on the bench if it's tied in the in 70th worst case scenario. Minute. Yeah, yeah. Good like point. so, let's get Raina back out there. Let, let, let your let Jordy get a little bit of a. Uh, run under his feet you know I, I don't hate that idea and, and but we have to start with, with, with New England this Saturday before Greenville right, right and then after Greenville it's Colorado it's I know you're game by game I know you I know you go next next game up you know yeah <laughs> and then after Colorado it's Orlando, Orlando. yeah so that's I'll be the, in the house I can't wait that's the run of four games over the next three and a half weeks it's a crucial Charlotte road trip it it's is. a crucial road trip it's gonna be Early season, defining all the success we've had so far, we still have a losing record. Let's let's be honest. You know, we have three wins and four losses and no draws, so we can't like afford to somehow be three and seven at the end of the month. You know, we we have to get at least one win, if not, you know, I would like to get four points. I think four points from this road trip is is what we should really realistically set our sights on. The New England match will define a lot because we don't, they're a wounded animal right now. You know, this is a team that we hyped up as like the best in the league coming in. And when we beat them at our house, kind of reset the expectations for everybody. Now we got to go to their house and they're sort of like the backs against the wall. They desperate for a win. Like they, you know, they, we'll see. Well, that, that could be a, a little bit of a dangerous situation to walk into. Who knows? But uh, I don't know. Uh, in a perfect world, we'll be waking up, you know, after that New England game with more brilliant Sunday morning content, you know, that we love. And uh, Nick Kelly will be firing off a, you know, a salty tweet at somebody, and, and <laughs> life will be good. Oh, man. There's, there's definitely going to be don't press send moments with him as the season rolls on. And <laughs> we're going to be bringing it to you here on the podcast because yeah. it's uh, just put your tweet notifications on. Um, it's it's worth it just just for that, uh, especially after these wins. And Nick, Nick, if you ever want to send us like a tweet or delete, you know, if you're not sure if you should post it, you know, send it our way. We'll give you we'll give you the thumbs up or thumbs down for sure. But really great work with the uh, the old man uh, turnaround meme. The uh, so right now we're screwed. No, you're screwed. That was awesome. Uh, you know, for, to celebrate the one month since Miguel on Hell's comment and. Uh, you know, he, he. What I love about Nick Kelly is he keeps. He always gives a dig it. He he posted like a chart of the attendance for MLS for the weekend, and like just used that to get a slight dig in. You know about you know. So it's like he, he's he's on at all times. Even when he's just posting factual information, he's he's got an edge to him. And I, I, while things are relatively good, we love to see it. We love to see our CEO getting out, getting in the streets, getting in the mix. Uh, you know. Things go bad. We lose, you know, five games in a row or some nonsense like that. Probably time to dial back on the Twitter at that point. Well, we'll see. <laughs> it's all about excuses. Don't make excuses for this club. It's a professional organization, um, and the manager MAR can handle uh, that. And talking about excuses, talking about criticism, and I think it's important that we follow up following last week's episode where. Let's be real. We put keeper Christian Kalina under the microscope. Someone who's played incredibly well 
uh, for this squad and made his first real big mistake on the road at Philadelphia, and we addressed that mistake, and um, so did MAR. It was a big one. And MAR addressed it and said, if you make mistakes playing our style of play, then I'm okay with it. So first and foremost, I wanted to follow up with that and just say, MAR is aware that that Kalina is potentially going to make some mistakes working out of the back, passing the ball. But at the same time, when it happens once, that's very, very easy to say. When it happens two or three or four different times, I would guarantee you that he'd be singing a different tune. So as we sit here today, Kalina is the highest ranked player on the pitch. Right. He stepped up. He stepped up and he had a great match after facing adversity. Six saves. Five from inside the box. Atlanta was getting some opportunities, you know, and but I never felt in danger. I always felt I, there was never a moment where I was like, "Oh, that's going to be they're going to get too good of a shot for Kalina to be able to stop." I never never felt worried about any of the opportunities they did get. What I did like about Kalina also, he seemed to play the uh, the crosses better. You know, he was claiming balls more uh, when you go up go up and get it when it's coming in from from wide areas. Aggressive. Yeah, he was just more aggressive, assertive, proactive whatever you want to call it, uh, he's developing that part of his game, it seems like. Because that's another spot where he'd been criticized. It's like, oh, he's a great shot stopper, but he's not good when the ball's in the air. Well, he was a lot better this Saturday, Sunday, when the ball was in the air, so we'll see. Yeah, he absolutely was. So I just wanted to make sure I squeezed that in on the end of the podcast. And um, one thing that we'll keep an eye on as we move forward throughout the week is any news and updates about the club, about who's traveling to New England. Um, A lot happening. are there any new players coming into the program? Um, I think right now this squad kind of feels set for the remainder of the spring. Well, barring you know what, whatever shakeup Usviak puts in, but yeah, I agree. I don't expect more incomings. No, no, we will not June. sign anyone until the summer window for sure. Yeah. But there still is a designated player spot available. Yeah. So they could technically sign someone hey, who knows, tomorrow. Maybe, maybe, maybe we'll go get Machis, you know, who knows. Yeah, I mean, he. by the way, Machis scored a goal for Granada, a really sick goal uh, this weekend in La Liga, and it's just it sucks. I mean, you want to talk about a missing piece where I would start saying, like, we have a chance to break LAFC's record for sure. Would have been great to happen, but whatever. Still a great club. Still a great time to be a Charlotte FC supporter, as usual. Uh, and that's kind of what we wanted to end on, was just sort of the, just feeling like, you know, we've uh, put in a lot. I'm not going to say sacrifice, but we've definitely dedicated a lot of ourselves to this effort of being super fans, supporters, podcasters. And we feel like we're getting it, getting back everything we've wanted from it so far, right? It's, it's a positive experience. And... You know, as we sit here and we talk about it, as, as the fans are listening to this podcast of Charlotte FC, as people are at Bank of America Stadium, you know, hashtag positive vibes only is a thing. Right. Right? And, and it we got to be the happiest team with a losing record in the league, for sure. It's it's part of this club's culture, I think. I think what's what's starting to happen is, is that the culture is just like, and it starts with MAR, the culture is just positivity. And to me, it's just... It's so rewarding to... And another thing that I need to talk about, and this is really important, is that this positive energy, this positive attitude is not something that is just, like, guaranteed. It takes effort to do that. Yeah. It's a choice. It is, yeah. So it's just like... It's work. Exactly. So from the supporter's point of view, from the manager's point of view, from the player's point of view, from the front office point of view, every week, every match week... You have to build up to go again. You have to build up to maintain that positive energy. Mm-hmm. Even if you didn't get the minutes that you wanted on the pitch. Mm-hmm. right? Even if you didn't get any shots on goal. Mm-hmm. Even if you feel like a player might be coming in that takes your spot. There's a lot of negative emotions when it comes to the, the game of football. And for this club to have filtered them out now seven games in mm-hmm. and create this positive experience for everybody around that's no small feat could you imagine being like in the locker room going to work every day busting your ass to stay in shape yeah getting on a flight to go up to new england and go again on saturday after a huge win yesterday it's monday these players are getting recovered mm-hmm. after the match there may be mar obviously has his tactics prepared 
He's ready to rock. He's already thinking about it. Oh, we that. know that, yeah. And when they show up into the building tomorrow, they got to bring it because they want to be in the team mm-hmm. come Saturday. And that's when I talk about depth, and it all comes back full circle. So this team already has depth. The manager, the reason why we do projected 11s is because there's decisions to be made week after week after week. Yeah. This club can play six different formations. This club can start six different midfield groupings. This club could start a striking pairing or right. just one up top. They could go three in the back. They could go five in the back. They could do a million different they things. Could bring, they could start Jan Sobosinski. <laughs> you know? I mean, they could bust him out. Yeah. Once once Uzviak gets here, you got to get the three three poles out there. Yeah, again. I would like to see it, but... But no, John, you said it, man. You said you could. I couldn't have said it better myself. You, you pretty much summed it up, and that is all. All in my sort of you know cheesy little saying, which is it's it's a great time to be a Charlotte FC supporter as usual. I mean, it, it always is, and uh, now more than ever. So the match is on Saturday. We'll have a preview episode uh, before that match and give you any club updates that happen throughout the week. Um, there's, there's just so much to talk about when it yeah. comes to this squad right now. And, you know, we, we thought this podcast would be fun to do because it's a new club, it's a new experience, and it's not boring by any no. stretch of the imagination. No, I'm in the backyard practicing Olympicos, you know, <laughs> just trying to get my Alcibar on. It's great. And I think all of a sudden these players are starting to connect with the city. And... Uh, just want to give one final shout out to to Brownie Bro. It's a it's a ten out of ten performance in that position um, in front of Guzman and, and Fuchs on Saturday afternoon. He owned that uh, role, and I've continued to doubt him being in this squad and, and in a full time basis. And uh, he continues to to prove me wrong. So um, Brownie Bro, who I thought was was just a body coming out of of the Independence to to give you some defensive minutes on the midfield, he's a fucking dog, man. And it's it's so awesome that he represents us, and and um, I, I hope that he doesn't lose his spot. But he might. He's gonna have to. <laughs> he's gonna have to fight for it. And you know, if he if he was to lose his spot, that means someone else fought even harder. Whether it's Derek Jones or Sergio Ruiz, so that's just better for the club overall. So I got no problem with it. Yeah, I mean, lacking depth, we we're talking about three guys for one position. Mm-hmm. So for Danny Brams. I'm John Hayes. You can follow us on Twitter at John Hayes on Air, at Danny Brams as well. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. For the Crown Baby.